from John chapter 17. Jesus prayed, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. You may be seated. I love the Gospel of John. I, I really do. But sometimes I feel like while I'm reading it, I need like pie charts to figure out what exactly is being said. Jesus' prayer in our reading this morning is one of those moments. My notes when I was working for today had a lot of arrows pointing to God the Father, to Jesus, to disciples, back to the Father, back to Jesus, around the disciples. Where words like glory and love are circled with arrows going to them and out of them again. And my notebook ended up a little messy by the end of it, but I just love that in our reading today, Jesus is praying not just for the disciples there with him, but for all those who will believe. This is a prayer that Jesus says for all those who will believe, for us, for us here right now, gathered today. It's a prayer for all who have gathered before us and all who will gather after us. And so my favorite thing about it is that it's for us, particularly. Jesus prays that he and God the Father, the creator of all that is and was and is to come, are together, are one together. And Jesus hopes and prays that we will all be one as well. Not just one with the people we like, not just one with those who are gathered here right now, but Jesus prays that all believers may be one. And as I read this, I found myself excited about this prayer for us, for me, and I was so excited because Jesus prays for his disciples a lot. He prays for those he meets. He prays for himself and for the future. But it's not very often that Jesus actually prays specifically for us, for these future believers. And so as I read this prayer, I found myself excited. And there was just one big question that kept showing up through my notes. What exactly does it mean to be one? In a few weeks, we'll be reading from Galatians and talking about all the ways we divide ourselves from each other and all the ways our differences and diversity come together and can unite us in Jesus. But today, as I circled the question again, what does being one mean? I went back to Jesus' prayer. He says that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us 
so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So that the world may believe that God sent Jesus. What kind of oneness, what kind of unity might we as Christians, as believers in Jesus, be made into that the entire world may believe that God, God's self, sent Jesus? I mean, Jesus is right. The world doesn't seem to know God the Creator very well. None of us get it right 100% of the time, even us as believers, maybe especially as believers. But Jesus does know God, and Jesus' followers, us included, believe that Jesus was sent by God, this God who created us, this God who reaches out to us, the God who comes to us through Jesus. And so Jesus prays for the kind of unity in his believers that shows the world who Jesus is. As Jesus said, so that the world may know that you, God, have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. What does that kind of unity look like? A oneness so filled with Jesus, so filled with God's love, that just in witnessing, in hearing, in seeing that kind of community, eyes are opened to the love we find in Jesus. That's a oneness, a unity that I really want to be a part of. I don't know about you. And it might come as no surprise, but we're not quite there yet. Just a little bit, right? Honestly, there are times where I feel like the body of Christ is further from this unity that Jesus prays for us now. From denominations struggling with LGBTQ plus inclusion to states passing laws around women's bodies, from discussions on racism and white supremacy to climate change and gun control, from fears around building walls or building homeless shelters, even the fact that I'm mentioning these topics in a sermon might bring up everyone's blood pressure just a little bit, right? Just from mentioning them. These days, at least for me, it feels like we're moving further away from each other instead of closer. We often find ourselves in silos with people who either agree with us on all the big topics of the day or are fine never talking about them. When conversations start to lead towards those big topics, towards hard topics, when disagreement is imminent, we often find ourselves changing the subject or ending the conversation simply with agree to disagree. I know for me, during at least one family get-together, I've simply said, oh, I think Kathleen needs to go potty, I'll be back. <laughs> We've gotten really good at pretending to be one together, but we often find ourselves leaving the room so that we can still seem united with each other. We don't really open up to each other about our thoughts or our opinions because we're afraid of what it might mean for our relationships. We're so afraid to disagree that disagreeing has become a sign that we failed to be united. And honestly, I'm guilty of this too. It's hard to be in conversations that are filled with discord. And as time goes on, it feels like there are more and more of those conversations, of those topics that are just too taboo to risk it. We know each other a little less because of it. And I often wish it could just be easier. In our reading from Revelation, in John's vision, Jesus says, See, I am coming soon. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let everyone who hears say, Come. And let everyone who is thirsty come. There is 
a yearning, an impatience for Jesus' return that I can sort of relate to a little bit here. When I see another friend get into it with someone on their Facebook wall, when I find myself retreating to another room or changing the subject of a conversation, in the moments where I feel like we as people are just pushing each other away, I find myself thinking, Jesus, can't you just come back already? I'm ready. I'm ready for your kingdom not just breaking in, but here in its fullness. I'm ready for the kind of unity that your love and your glory bring. I'm ready. The people who first heard John's vision from Revelation were too. Exhausted by the persecution they were facing, divided in their different congregations and from the people outside, facing heartache and rejection. Their need, their yearning was more than just the difficulty we have being part of this prayer for unity, but nonetheless, I can relate to their hope for Jesus' imminent return. Christ's kingdom is here and not yet, and even in Jesus' life, in the midst of division and grumbling and discord, Jesus prays. He prays for us, for those who believe, because those disciples continued even when things seemed impossible. That's why we believe, because those disciples who first heard this prayer shared Jesus' words of love and grace. Those disciples continue to share those words with the world, sharing this love from God, with God, in God, through Jesus. I wonder if the unity that Jesus is praying for is not for everyone to simply agree. Not for all people to have the same doctrine, the same faith, the same understanding of the world around them, but instead to gather together anyway. Gathering to worship together, to pray together, to serve the communities around us together, and not to avoid difficult conversations, not to impatiently wait for the conversation to end, or for Jesus to show up and just make everyone agree, but to actually be with one another in all of our differences, to know one another in all of our differences, even when it's hard, especially when it's hard. What if a oneness so filled with Jesus, so filled with God's love, that we find love for one another, not just with those who agree, or in conversations where we can all pat each other on the back and say, we know, we got it right. But when disagreement and difference is actually valued, where we can grow together as individuals within community in our understandings of the world because we actually listened to each other. Maybe it's in experiencing and witnessing and hearing that kind of community that the world may really see the kind of love that Jesus brings to us. Maybe it means not stepping away from the conversation, but really listening and sharing your own view, even if it means feeling uncomfortable. Maybe it means naming that we don't agree on something and that it's okay, but we can still talk about how it affects us or how we're feeling about a current event. Maybe it means being hurt or being exhausted or even having your attempts rejected because not everyone is seeking unity. Some people are just speaking or seeking rightness, right? But in all those moments, when it feels like Jesus can't come soon enough to make us one body, in all the moments when we are impatiently waiting for this unity to happen and are unsure of how to move forward, during all those times when we might find ourselves hearing or saying hard truths and working to process difficult feelings, struggling with others and finding ourselves too hurt or too exhausted to continue, as we attempt to 
and sometimes fail to love our neighbor, to love each other, to love those we meet, not in spite of our disagreements, but through our disagreements, it's hard, all of those moments. And we can't do it on our own. Jesus says, the glory that you, God, have given me, I have given to them, my followers, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one, that they may become completely one. It's not just unity between people, but being with one, being one with each other and with God and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit, unity isn't complete without God. Unity isn't complete without God. Jesus prays for us to be one with him, to be where he is, to see his love, to see his glory. And for Jesus, his glory, Jesus' glory is the cross. On the cross, Jesus dies for all of our exhaustion, our impatience, our heartache, our rejection. Jesus rises from the dead to bring us life, love, and unity. Jesus rises from the dead to make us one in him. And Jesus is coming soon, bringing the water of life to the world as a gift, so that all may be one, all may see Christ's glory, all may experience God's love in Jesus, in God the Father, and in us, those who have and will believe in the words Jesus shared, so that we might share this love, this grace, this gift with the world, so that together we, we may all be one, so that the world may know through us the love of God for Jesus, in Jesus, for us, and in us. And maybe, just maybe, we won't need any graphs or charts to get there. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.